0: And listen, this is so important. There's something about friends. There's something about your recognition that Christianity, to live in a Christ-like life is too hard. You cannot do it on your own. And to have people that will pull you out of the pit of despair, that people who will bring you nearer to God, not farther away, you've got to choose your friends wisely Today. today today, with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill. Thanks for joining me again. Feeling far from God or like God's forgotten you? In this episode, Pastor Jeff continues speaking from 1 Corinthians and he has some advice for those times when we just don't sense God's presence. Let's hear the rest of the message now with Pastor Jeff. If you were raised in a church where you were taught that anytime you suffer in your life, God has abandoned you, what's going to happen when you suffer? You're going to think God's abandoned you or that you're not spiritual. But if you've got the truth of the word in you, the truth will then control your emotions because you know the picture of the cross, if nothing else is this, that it is possible to be in the worst possible position in your life and still be in the center of the will of God, i.e. Jesus. If you know that truth, When the emotions come where you feel abandoned by God or you feel far from God, you can take those emotions and escort them to the truth and know it is very possible that you are right in the center of the will of God and he has never been more present with you than he is right now. And so if you're not listening to the language of God, guess what? You don't have the word of God in you. Your emotions will lie to you. And even though your feelings are real, they do not reflect reality. He goes on to finish by saying this do not listen to him, turn on him, speak to him, condemn him, upbraid him, exhort him, encourage him, remind him of what you know instead of placidly listening to him and allowing him to drag you down and depress you. He's saying, do not let this inner, this other man in you that lies to you drag you down. Speak to him and say, wait a second. Say, what does that look like? Well, David did it in the Psalms. Think about it. He's depressed. He feels abandoned by God. He feels far from God. And he says this in Psalm, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. David's saying, why, O oh soul, are you down in the dumps? Put your hope in God. I've learned in 27 years of ministry how powerful the word can be to change my emotions on a dime. When I failed God in some way and I wake up the next morning and I feel like I'm not saved, then because I've been listening to the language of God, the Spirit activates it. And I remind myself that I am not saved by works, so that no man could boast, but I'm saved by grace through faith and this, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God. When I don't feel loved and I feel like I've blown it and I feel like I'm worthless and I don't feel like that I deserve to be in the pulpit or in ministry, I remember what Jesus says to the apostle Paul, to the inspiration of the spirit in Romans eight, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing. That's no thing. You know, the definition of no thing is that which rocks dream about. Rocks don't dream. Nothing, nothing at all separates us from the love of God. Nothing. And I remember when I'm the worst predicament of my life that the Bible tells me that God works everything together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. Folks, if you say that you don't sense the presence of God in your life, it could be very, very well that your emotions are giving you a false picture of God that is not consistent with the word of God. There's only one way to defeat that. Number one, listen to the language of God so you know the truth. how it reflects reality, then speak those words to yourself and you'll find that you'll feel the nearness of God. Number one, listen to the language of God. Number two, listen to the language of self. Number three, listen to the language of obedience. Let me show you a pattern that I've noticed in my own life. Do you know when it is that I feel closest to God? When I obey him in a tough situation, when I face a temptation and I have to choose If I go the way of God and obey him, it's amazing how he sends his presence over me. And I thought, well, God is real. I can feel the presence of God. Isn't it interesting? In the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was preaching, at that point, which he said, not my will, but yours be done, God. And he said, I'm going to the cross in obedience. What happened? The angels came and strengthened him. Never do I feel more alive with God than when I obey him in a tough situation. Hey, that's exactly, let me show you a passage of what I, Think is great hilarity in Exodus chapter 3. Here's the context Moses says to God, God, you want me to take the people out of Egypt and deliver them on the promised land? That's going to be a hard job. People are going to be trying to kill me. God, how can I feel you? How can I feel that you're with me? Listen, God's response is this And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. You see what God is saying? Oh, let me get this straight, Moses. You want to feel the presence of God, right? You want to feel like I'm the one with you and that I'm going to be with you through all thick and thin. Here's how you'll know that I'm with you. Here's how you'll feel me when it's all over. You'll stand on this mountain and look back and say, wow, look what God did, and you will worship me, and at that point, you will feel me. In other words, obedience precedes intimacy with God in the same way disobedience precedes Alienation. Two quick people that exude with this type of uh, relationship with God. One is Anastase Bunga; he's my friend from Rwanda, my translator in the prisons, and the other is my good friend Ajay Lal. Both of these guys, when I'm around them, it's like, wow, these guys, man. They, you, you, again, you feel the presence of God because the presence of God is so close to them. You kind of nudge in on the edges. And in both cases, with both these guys, they live tough lives. Anastas has been called by God to go into the prisons of Rwanda and preach the gospel of reconciliation among his own people who are responsible for the genocide. He could be killed. Ajay Law spends his time rescuing little children in northern India who've been sold for a bowl of rice or rescuing little girls who have been sold in the child trafficking industry. And on his off day, he spends his time preaching in the public arena with guns pointed directly at him, telling him that if he says anything out of turn, he will be shot on the spot. And yet he continues to go and preach in the public arena. Those two guys will tell you though, that they never feel more alive than when they're obeying the call of God in their lives. There's an old quote from an old Bond movie. It's not that old. I think it's Pierce Brosnan, one of his movies. There's no use living if you can't feel alive. And do you know when you feel most alive, folks? When you obey him in a tough time. Last night, after the first message, I, I went backstage and I thought, you know, sometimes you know, God will give you a story and he'll say, look, I want you to tell them. And I'll say to God, God, I don't think I want to share that. And God will say, I don't care what you think. I want you to share this. And then I want to make sure that I'm listening to God. So I'll go and our executive pastor, I'll say, Dana, let me tell you something I'm sensing. Do you think I can share this with our people? So I'm going to share this with you. And I've never shared this before in my entire life with anybody or with any church. But I think in this case, it's time. I was 17 years old and I'd been dating this girl for a while. And her parents, I think, loved me more than she did. Because it was, it, it was the, the determination of the parents that I would be the man that their daughter married. And they pressured that. Think about how young we are. But they had picked me out and they said, this is the one. He was, they were very wealthy. They were gonna give me a job, a great job in a place called Kingsport, Tennessee, that a big a big warehouse factory, some kind of, uh, something to do with a uh, film industry. And uh, they had it all figured out. We continued to date. Of course, when they talked about marriage, I'd have nothing. I didn't, marriage scared me to death then, just terrified. The only thing I was married to was my basketball. And uh, I thought, okay, fine, I'll just let them talk, but I'm not gonna respond. <laughs> now, they, my parents had a rule. Uh, I was 17. My parents had a very strict rule. They said, look, we don't mind you going to your girlfriend's house, but you're never to be in the house alone when her parents aren't there. Do you understand? Now, if you've not made that rule with your parents, it's just you're, you're a couple sandwiches short of a picnic because let me tell you, You know how the hormones are flying then? I don't care how strong a Christian you are. At that point, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where the temptation is just unbearable. Well, it was my 18th birthday. They invited me over. When I got there, I knew something was not right. Parents weren't at home. She was the only one in the house. And she came out to greet me. Let's just say there weren't a lot of clothes on. I want you to remember something before I finish this story. Remember, I only share with you the successes. <laughs> you got that right? So when I tell you how this ends, please don't put me on a pedestal and say, Pastor Jeff is amazing. <laughs> I'm only going to tell you success stories. You got that right? All right. Now at that moment, and this was a beautiful young girl, at that moment, the wheels start turning. Uh, rationalization start going. I'm saved by grace. I get forgiveness. Oh, you've never done that. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, or something like, uh, you know, well, you know, it's just one time, you know, and, you know, it is my 18th birthday. It's a birthday present from God. Right, right. You got it. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say I wasn't like Joseph in that I ran fast. I tried to rationalize every way that I could, but I did on this occasion. I made the right decision, and I said, look, I don't, I don't think this is right, and I don't, I'm not ready for this, and this is not what God would want, and I got in my car, and I wanna tell you, on that 20-minute drive home, I have never felt as close to God as I did in overcoming that moment of temptation, but I'll tell you something else. I learned that a few months later, I think that was a test sent by God because about two months later, he'll call me into ministry, and I will sense the call of God, and I wonder, is God just sending me a little test? Can I trust you in the small things? to to give you bigger responsibilities. You want to feel the presence of God in your life? Do the thing he's been asking you to do for a long, long time. Break off that relationship. Go back to your wife, your husband, and your kids. Quit that job because of the unethical practices involved. Trust him for another one. Whatever it is, if you want to feel the presence of God, you will never feel it to the degree that you feel it when you're obeying him in the hard stuff. You want to feel God? Listen to the language of God. Number two, listen to the language of self. Number three, listen to the language of obedience. Number four, listen to the language of friends. Man, this is so important. I got one more. But listen, this is so important. There's something about friends. There's something about your recognition that Christianity, to live in a Christ-like life is too hard. You cannot do it on your own. And to have people that will pull you out of the pit of despair, that people who will bring you nearer to God, not farther away, you got to choose your friends wisely. I've got two special friends in my life. One is Tony Bennett. I talk about him a lot. He's the coach at Virginia right now with the Virginia Cavaliers. But Tony and I met in New Zealand. Here's a guy that gave up $3.3 million to play with the Cleveland Cavaliers because he felt the call of God to remain in New Zealand and help us plant that church. And when I asked him to do it, I thought he'd tell me I was crazy. Instead, he sent me a fax. When he got back to Wisconsin, he and his wife were thinking about this decision for a few weeks. They prayed about it. He turned down the Cleveland Cavalier contract for $3.3 million to go and be the starting point guard. And he sent me this fax. And it was him on the top of the Charlotte Hornets after Alonzo Mourning had hit the last second shot. To defeat the Celtics and go into the second round of the playoff. And Tony Bennett is on the top of the pile. He faxes this to me in New Zealand, and there's a caption that reads, What I did here was but for a moment. What I'll do with you will last for eternity. Tony Bennett, through texts, through emails, through conversations, he's the one that says, Stay the course, Jeff. Stay the course. God has gifted you. Don't give up. In those moments when I've thought about doing something else other than ministry, Pastor Jeff, have you really thought about doing something other than ministry? You're kidding, right? Of course, just like you. He'll say, stay the course, stay the course. This is what God has called you to, stay the course. I'm telling you, friends have a way of reminding you of what God and the world is really like, not the way you see it right now. My other good friend, Clive Raharui, amazing guy, dropped everything in Australia, moved his family, sold his company, and is now a member of this church since about the last two months because he feels that God has called him to come here because he feels like CCV has more than just a local ministry, that it should have a ministry that is global. It should change the world. He's an entrepreneur. He came here at the call of God and said, I'm in. He's the guy, when I was in New Zealand, going through a very difficult time, that stayed by my side when everybody else ran. He was right there. And he said, Jeff, of course, if you're taking territory from the evil one, he's going to attack you. You've got to expect it. You stay strong. You endure till the end, and you'll receive the crown of life. You need friends like that. The Bible says so in Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. But especially Proverbs 12, anxiety weighs down the heart. I know what that's about. But a kind word cheers it up. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Choose your friends wisely. If they bring you up and the closeness and the nearness of God exudes from them, that's the friends you hang out with. If they drag you away from God and take you farther away from God, you need to remove yourself. Hold, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff. You said, whoa, you said we're to have a one life. Yes, you are. But it's the strength of this group that will give you the power to change this group. You cannot go out on your own. As a matter of fact, remember I said this. The people you constantly hang out with will, to a great degree, determine the nearness and farness of God in your life. Number one, listen to the language of God. Two, listen to the language of self. Three, listen to the language of obedience. Four, listen to the language of friends. And fifth and finally, listen to the language of the church. Now, I need your undivided attention as I wrap this thing up. Let's say that I'm a basketball player. Say, well, Pastor Jeff, you are. No, I was. I was. And according to my wife, I'm a has-been that never was. <laughs> the truth hurts. Let's say I'm a basketball player on a basketball team. Yet I never go to the practices. I never take part in strategy. I don't listen to the general, the coach. I don't participate in uh, in times of sacrifice for the better of the team. I don't go to the gym. I don't have accountability partners to say, come on, Jeff, one more set, one more sprint, one more hill, one more effort. And then it's game day. And I walk into the arena and I'm told I'm starting. How do you think I'll feel? Do you think I'll feel disconnected? Do you think I'll feel somewhat uninformed, even unsure, maybe even uncomfortable, and ultimately lost in the big event? Yes, and that's exactly what happens to so many who walk into this church building every weekend. You haven't been listening to God. You haven't been listening to the language of self, of friends, of obedience, and then you want to walk in here on the weekend and have this super-duper spiritual experience where you say, man, God is in this place. The reason God is not in this place is because you didn't bring him with you. Folks, these are just bricks and mortar, You don't come to the temple. You bring the temple of God with you. God is in you. And if he's not here, it's because you didn't bring him with you. And if you want to come into this place and get a spiritual buzz, okay. But if you want to meet God... If you want to have a God experience, if you want to know that God is in this place, then we got to wake up and throughout all of our week, listening to the language of God, listening to the language of self, listening to the language of obedience, listening to the language of friends. And if you do that, you'll walk in here on a weekend. You know what will happen? Somebody will pray and you'll say, my goodness, I know what we're doing. I've been doing this all week. God loves me. God cares for me. God is involved in a sovereign degree in my life. Somebody does communion, and all of a sudden it'll hit you. Wow, it is possible to be in a horrific place in my life and yet be in the center of the will of God. And every time you see the cross, you're going to be reminded. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be fired up and pumped up, and you're going to realize God is actively involved in my life. I know that because I brought him with me. But folks, if you come into this place, and you've not been with God out there, what makes you think you're going to be with him in here? Hey, if he did show up, you wouldn't recognize him. you got to have a relationship with somebody so that when you see them, the connection is made. What I'm trying to say is if you ever hope to feel God the way God is meant to be felt, sooner or later, you got to be broken. Think about it. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying and the Bible says that he's sweating drops of blood. What's the anxiety about? Is it because he's afraid of the pain? I don't think so. I don't think you hear Jesus saying, I'm really afraid when those nails go into my hand. Instead, what he's so anxious about is the impending separation and alienation between him and his father. That's why on the cross he cried out, what, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus went to the cross, he had a choice. He could die to himself or he could forego the cross and not have to bear alienation from the Father. But that would only work for a little while, right? Because then it would dawn on him that ultimately he's alienated from the Father's heart and the Father's will. So Jesus had a choice. Number one, do I resist the cross and leave the world a broken place or do I die to myself, therefore bringing the entire world in close to God? The cross in this sense is absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Because here's what it says to us that believing that we can be close to God without dying to ourselves flies in the face of the cross. You gotta be alienated first from yourself before you can be close to God. You gotta die to isolation. And make God a part of every day of your life through the reading of the word and through reminding yourself of what is true and what is real. You've got to die to your autonomy and stop saying that you're the boss of you. That God is the Lord of your life and you live within those parameters. And when you obey him, you will feel him. And you've got to die to self-sufficiency. You've got to recognize that this is too tough to do on your own. You've got to surround yourself with friends who will bring you up out of the pit in those moments of despair. And if you do that, here's what's going to happen. When you walk in here on a weekend, all of us are going to be bringing God with us because we've been communing all week. And the slightest little thing that's said, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, wow, Pastor Jeff, it's like you followed me around this week. Every word you said hit me right where it hurts. And that's only because you've been with God and you've learned to recognize his voice. My sheep will hear my voice. They will follow me. You got it? You want to feel God? God. Let's see if you remember. Listen to the language of? (laughs) Come on, man. You want to feel God? Listen to the language of God. Okay. Listen to the language of self. Listen to the language of obedience. Listen to the language of friends. And listen to the language of the church. I knew you could do it. God bless you. I'm so thankful for the power of your word and for being reminded in these moments that uh, you are good to us and you are a God who created all people in your image and gave us a very special connecting mechanism called your spirit in us. And Father, I pray that we would recognize that making these kind of investments is worth so much to know that you're with us to fill your presence in us and upon us. Father, I pray that our eyes would have been opened, that we cannot live in isolation, and expect to have community with you, that it is necessary to pursue you, the divine, the divine romance, that if we pursue you and we pursue you with all of our hearts, we will find you. Father, I pray for all of us in Jesus' name, we would have a renewed passion to seek you, to fill your presence on our lives and to know that You are with us, that You will never leave us nor forsake us, and that nothing could ever separate us from Your love. It's my prayer in Jesus' Name, Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts.